What's going on, guys? What's going on? What's going on? I hope you guys are having a good day. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and um, I was sitting here, and I'm about to uh, finish up with some of the work I was doing earlier, and I thought that I would actually share something with you that I think will make a big difference in your lives. Um, so here's here's the deal. So I was thinking about this. Uh, our 17-year-old is about to go to college, and he's he's getting his uh, college acceptance letters, and and we re- we're really you know talking as black men about money you know, what it means to make money, how to make money, where money comes from, all this other stuff. And I was thinking about how differently my journey uh, for money, my journey toward uh, earning income, uh, it's very different from what my parents taught me. Um, I don't know if any of you went through this or not, but uh, how many of you grew up in a household? Give me a yes or no in the chat. How many of you grew up in a household where you were told that going to college was pretty much the only and the main way to earning income, that, that getting a good job was a solution uh, that you uh, want to go to school, maybe go to law school, go to medical school or go to graduate school and and get piled on with all this debt. Um, how many of you grew up in a household like that? Give me a yes or no in the chat if you were in that category. Um, well, uh, I grew up in that category. And I will say this. Um, uh, when I look back on this, I, I have I have a perspective on it that's probably a little unique only because um I, uh, you know, I would be probably the closest thing, you know, or, or people like me are the closest thing you'll find to like a financial physician or a financial surgeon where you have to really think about money and, uh, you know, where it comes from, what it does, you know, to people psychologically, where how money works in general. And um, and so I, 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 I've really dissected this and uh, in, in a thousand different ways. And so every day I come up with new insights. And so in order to help you, um, you know, I like to share these insights in, in hopes that it'll, it'll, you know, help you make the decisions you want to make in your life. Um, so uh, so here's the deal. Uh, first of all, do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button and hit that notification bell. If you're watching anywhere online, anywhere on YouTube, uh, hit, a no- hit the notification bell or the follow button so you can follow and get notifications when we go live. You can also text the word voice to 31996 if you'd like to uh, get text notifications periodically when we go live. Uh, so so here's the deal. I, I, I thought about this and I, I was kind of laughing. I was talking to uh, my son. I, I'm his bon- bonus dad. He's lucky. He has two dads, two dads that love him very much. I get to be one of them. And, uh, and I, I said to him, I said, you know, I said, you know what, man? When I was in, when I was going to college, I thought that to make a lot of money, you had to do something like go to school for a really long time. Um, I was in school till I was thirty-one years old. I was in school for you know about as long as a surgeon or as long as a doctor, as long as my sister went to medical school. Right? She became a pathologist. She made good money as a doctor, um, and I got a PhD. And I was making good money when I got my PhD. And uh, it was really, really hard. It took a really long time. And uh, it, it was very, very tough. And I, I said, you know, when I look back at it, honestly, it didn't have to be that way. Right. It did not have to be that hard. And uh, and I said, really, a lot of people, for example, will go to medical school until they're in their 30s and, and literally come out saddled with more debt than they can ever repay, even as a doctor. There are a lot of doctors that, that can't get out of their student loan debt because they had to borrow, you know, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars to go to school. And um and I said, I don't know if it has to be that way where you got to go through, you know, blood and guts and and years and years of torture in order to make a good income. Well, what you're fighting for is you're fighting for something that's hard to get, which is a high salary. Fighting for a high salary is hard to get because you have to get enough credentials to get somebody who runs the business to give you a high enough salary for you to live, you know, to live a nice life. 
And uh, and that's hard to do. It's very competitive. You know, like the, like making it to the NBA or NFL to get a high salary is very competitive or becoming a surgeon is very competitive. And uh, and what I told him was I said, you know, um, I know people who make more money than surgeons who never even went to college. And he said, what are you talking about? I said, yeah. I said, um, I, think about it like this. I said, if you are a person that can generate some income either uh, from your business or from a job or something like that, and you get a capital base and you do something as basic as writing call options every month, um, you can actually make more money than a surgeon. I said, um, you know, I know people that make half a million dollars a year. Uh, according to salary.com, the average surgeon makes uh, between three and $500,000 and uh, per year. And I said, you know, I, I know I know people that, uh, for example, own, own some shares of stock and they write call and put options every month on, on the stock and they generate uh, maybe 10, 20, 30, 40, $50,000 a month, depending on how big their capital base is. And, uh, and they don't, they didn't go to medical school. Some of them don't even have a ton of financial training. And so um, I just wanted to kind of lay that out there uh, as, as just a proposition to just tell you guys uh, those methods do exist. Um, and, um, and I, I know a little bit about this stuff. I know a lot about this stuff. And, uh, and so actually, if you ever want to go take a look, we have an options investing class in the black business school, uh, at, at blackoptionsinvesting.com. That's blackoptionsinvesting.com. And the first month is actually a dollar. So you can literally try it out for a dollar. And one of the things that we do that, that I think is unique is we don't just talk about, you know, buying options. Anybody can do that, right? You got a million Robinhood traders that are buying stock options because they're trying to roll the dice and get rich quick. And that's kind of what you do when you're young. You like to gamble, you, you know, whatever. But we don't really talk about that. We actually talk, well, we talk about that a little bit. But we actually talk more specifically about um, the different angles you can take an options trade where you can you can actually reduce your risk and get a more guaranteed income. So options can be used to create risk where you, you know, you, you, you risk some little money, hoping that it becomes big money. But you'll probably lose all your money. There's a lot of a lot of ways that you lose all your money. Whereas um, if you actually sell the option to somebody who's trying to get a fast payoff, then you can generate consistent income. And, uh, and that's something I've been doing for a while. I've actually been putting together a whole model, a whole step-by-step process that um, I like to do that. I like to explain sort of basically step-by-step exactly what I'm doing. Uh, and I like to test it out to make sure that it works. Uh, if, if I'm not willing to do it for my family, I shouldn't tell you, you know, I shouldn't even, even, even let you know what I'm doing because I don't want you to do something that's going to be bad for you. But, um, but this is how my family makes its income, a big chunk of it, you know, um, and it, it's very effective. It's very, um, it's much lower risk than, than rolling the dice. It doesn't take a million years and you don't have to go to medical school for 10, 15 years or eight years or however long it is uh, in order to make a high income. So I, I'm just, what I'm saying to you is this, I'm saying that if you want to put your child on the trajectory of a wealth builder, um, don't just, don't, don't put them in a position where they feel like they have to go to school for a hundred years and trade years of their life. Like literally do what I did. The mistake I made where I don't say a mistake, but I spent all my twenties in school. I was in school all my twenties studying seven to 10 hours a day, every day, seven days a week, including Christmas. And, you know, just so I can make a higher income. Whereas if I could go back in time, it would have been nice if somebody had got me started, you know, like in, for example, on the allblackagenda.com, we have the $5 a day investing plan. So like, if you've done that for your child, your child turns 18, 20, they've got, you know, a hundred thousand dollars in capital to work with. Well, then they could take that capital and they literally could do something as basic as write call options on that capital every month. 
and literally make money, make a higher ROI than they would if they if they if you actually gave them rental property. Like everybody talks about a rental property investing and how you can make money from that. And and I'm not in any way dis discouraging that, right? Like that's a good method as well uh, because real estate is more real, right? Th these financial instruments are a little bit, you know, iffy. They're 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 digitally based. You know, if something goes wrong with technology, then you know people might lose money or whatever. So, but so real estate is more real. You can actually touch it. Uh, it's in limited supply and land will always have some value. Um, so I think that's good. But actually, uh, things like writing call options can actually generate a much higher ROI if you know which options to add to your portfolio, which stocks to add. So because I know the theory um, and I know option pricing theory pretty well from, from what I taught at Syracuse and stuff like that, uh, we have a really good curriculum. So if you want to go take a look, feel free to go to blackoptionsinvesting.com uh, if that's of interest to you. Uh, OK, so do me a favor. Hit the thumbs up button. Hit the notification bell. Um, let me see here. Uh, let's see. Dale says, honestly, I've been waiting for options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're really digging in. Um, let me see here. Already did 102. It's crazy how quick I learned. Yeah, Black Money 102 is the second class in our Black Money sequence. And uh, if you want to go take a look at that, that's our uh, the Black Stock Market Program. So you can go to theblackstockmarketprogram.com. The first month is free. So don't forget the T-H-E, theblackstockmarketprogram.com. It's really good. Thousands of people have gone through it. Uh, we, we're actually proud of the fact that in the Black Business School, we've actually trained over a million Black people how to invest in the stock market. That's going to have more impact on Black wealth than any reparations package that they're ever going to pass anytime in the next 30 years. Um, I really believe that because this is something you can guarantee. This is something that's actually going to occur. Um, if you look at the dynamics of the stock market, if, if Black people were really, really into investing, like if we were just overly committed to investing uh, relative to everybody else, if we were as committed to investing in stocks and real estate and in businesses as we are to football, basketball, or going to see Gucci Mane versus uh, Young Jeezy in a versus battle, right? If we were as committed to investing as we are, you know, to seeing a versus battle, then uh, black people would actually have a tremendous amount of wealth per capita. It is not that difficult, actually, to build wealth on a per capita basis. It's really not that hard at all. It's just a matter of, of commitment. What are you committed to? Uh, because, you know, the first question I would ask anybody who says, well, I don't have much wealth. My family doesn't have anything. As I would ask them, well, how much time did you actually spend learning how to build wealth? Like how much time did you how much time did your family spend talking about wealth? Because one thing about rich people is rich people talk about money. Rich people talk. Rich people make plans. Right? Rich people get the family together once a week, once a month, and they, they talk about the family business. Uh, do you do that? When's the last time? Give me a yes or no. Yes or no. When, when you grew up, did your family get together once a week, once a month or whatever to talk about uh, how you as a family can make money together? Anybody? Give, give, me, give me a yes or no in the chat. Give me a yes or no. Tell me yes or no in your experience. As a kid, did your family get together, say, at least once a month? And talk about how you could actually make money in a way other than than just finding a better job. Anybody? There we go. I see a lot of no's. Now, let me just say this. Um, that's a big difference. You know, wealthy families. I'm talking about families that build their own wealth. I'm not talking about people that just inherited money. I'm talking about people that build build wealth and protect wealth. They talk about wealth. It's just like it's just like um, being physically fit. People who get people who. Um, who become physically fit or lose a lot of weight are typically very weight conscious, right? People who, uh, you know, or just like a man, you, you ever see a man who's got a bunch of babies, mamas, because he, he thinks he's a player and he likes, he likes women. Well, he's very woman conscious. 
He's always checking women out. Women walk by. He's looking at her booty. He's checking out. You know, he's he's talking to his friends about girls. He's he's trying to figure out how to how to how which which shoes should he wear the gator shoes or the leather shoes so he can get get the woman's attention. Right. He he's a student. He's a scientist. Oh, you know, of getting women. Right. So therefore, as a result, he's got a bunch of girlfriends and a bunch of baby mamas. Right. So what you put energy into is what will flourish. That which you do not put energy into will not flourish. So uh, when you say that your wealth is not flourishing, the question that must be asked is how much energy are you putting into understanding wealth, growing wealth, planning for wealth, right? Uh, if you're not putting energy into it, then it's not going to happen. Right? So uh, so anyway, uh, I will just say this. If, if, I'm, if I'm trying to give, and better yet, I'll use my own real life as an, as an example. I want to give these kids a chance to be successful in everything they do. So uh, a couple of things we did. Number one, uh, the family, we're big on investing and saving and all that stuff. So, so they're going to they're going to have a capital base to begin with, no matter what. Number two, we talk about economics a lot, but we don't talk much about jobs. We really don't. We, we talk about a, a profession, a career as something you do to so you can have something, you know, so you can have something to keep you occupied until you grow old and die. But we don't look at the job as the primary source of income. Uh, we're actually basically saying to them, look, if you want to make money, start a business. If you want to make money, become an investor. Uh, if you want to be financially secure, own assets. That Those are the conversations we have. And those conversations about asset ownership, stock market investing, uh, running a business, investing in businesses, those conversations are more important than conversations about which person you're going to go work for, or what kind of company you're going to work for, or what profession you're actually going to have, or what you're going to major in in college. And the the, the, the reason that I like this method more than other methods is because remember when people go to college, unfortunately they get saddled with a ton of debt. So our 17 year old just got into college, but we're not sending him to an expensive school. We can afford those schools, but we don't want to give our money away to expensive schools. And I'm a college professor. His mother's a college professor. So we know a lot about college. We know a lot about universities. And one thing we know is that uh, what you get out of a, an education, a lot of it comes down to how hard you work, how much time you spend actually learning. Uh, it's not so much about how much we spent on tuition or how much debt you accumulated on your way out. So, uh, so yeah, so just to summarize, if a person wants to make more money than a surgeon, um, they could do that much easier by focusing on building a capital base and learning how to invest assets. And, um, and the reason I like the whole method of writing call and put options is because I do this. This is what I do. Uh, this is not, you know, I'm not trying to make money by working for somebody. Um, I run my business, but I, I reinvest most of that money anyway, because I want the business to grow. But then when I have extra capital, I put that toward my capital base and I write call and put options. And that generates, you know, a significant amount of income every single month, right? That you don't have to work for, you know, stop believing that you have to work in order to make money. You have to work to build a capital base for sure, without a doubt, right? Work is required in the beginning, but then eventually you want to have a base so that your base can actually work for you. OK, so uh, that's a new way to kind of think about money. And I encourage you to consider that. Um, I want to let you guys know uh, something. Uh, do me a favor. Hit the thumbs up button. Also hit that notification bell so you'll be notified when we go live. Uh, we are making a sequel. You guys know we're building a black owned film industry. We have Boyce Watkins films, your black world films. We make partnerships with others. Uh, two things that are going on that I hope that you'll participate in. One, 
there's a new film we, we just put we just put out. I'm, I'm an executive producer. It's called Happy H A P I. Happy is about how modern economic systems derived in ancient Africa. And uh, Taiki Grant, the director, went all around the world. He went to Africa. He, he went to different parts of Africa. He went to Europe. He went to Chicago, New York, etc. To shoot scenes on the film, it's extremely good. Professor James Small is in it. Leonard Jeffries, Dr. Julianne Malveaux, uh, Sharif Abdul Malik. I'm in it, etc. It's an excellent, excellent film. And uh, so if you'd like to join us for the screening on the 21st, you can go to um, uh, blackmovienight.net. That's blackmovienight.net. So uh, go to blackmovienight.net and you can get a ticket for the screening. Uh, the second thing is I had another conversation uh, with another director, Marcus Small. And what we're going to do, there's this really popular film that we'd made uh, in the past called The Melanin Code. I don't know if anybody saw that film, but everybody loved it. It was off the chain. It was really, really good. Well, Marcus is going to do Melanin Code Part 2. He's going to do the Melanin Code Part 2. So Marcus is raising money for the film, uh, and you can actually go and support the film. If you want to see this Black-owned movie industry, we'd love to have your support. You can go to blackbusterfilms.com. You go to blackbusterfilms.com. There's a GoFundMe set up. You can support the film, and I'll keep you guys posted all along the way on everything that's going on with this movie. He did a great job in the last one. I know he's going to do a great job in this one, and I know you're going to love the movie. And we are building a black Hollywood. So I hope that you'll join us in this journey. And uh, just whatever you can do, however you can help, we'd love to have your help. Because we don't want to just talk about what we can do. We actually want to build. We don't just want to talk about what the problems are. We want to get solutions. Okay. Uh, can you put links in the chat? If you're watching on Instagram, I wish I could, but I got big thumbs. And if I start, if somebody can help me and type the URLs in so others can see them, that would be good. Cause I can't, I can't, I, if I pick up that phone and start thumbing it, y'all next thing you know, I'll be disconnected. So it's a uh, blackbuster, sorry, blackbusterfilms.com, blackbusterfilms.com, not blockbuster films, blackbuster films. That's what we call, that's what we call the films that uh, are black and they are blockbusters. They're blackbusterfilms.com. And then also you can go to blackmovienight.net, blackmovienight.net. Okay, guys. So um, I'm going to get out of here. Um, I hope that this conversation was helpful to you. I hope that you uh, learned something and gained something. And I'm just going to tell you the real secret. If you're really going for that money, don't just go for the degrees. You got to go for the assets that'll get you the cheese. Like the assets, uh, owning the stocks, owning the real estate, owning the businesses, that's the, the holy grail. That's the, the long game, right? The job is the short game. The job will get you the income, right? So it's not against, you know, there's nothing against having a job, but the job should be temporary. The job is like renting. Like if you get an apartment and you rent an apartment, that should not be your long-term plan. Your, your, your short-term plan could be, I'm going to rent until I can own. So same thing is true with your labor. You rent it out until you can own it, right? Until you can own your labor. Right. And that's when you become either a business owner or you become a stock market investor or you get into real estate or whatever. So feel free to go take a look at that. I, I encourage you guys to um, uh, to just you know dig deeper into this stuff. And uh, that's also the URL for our Black Wealth Calendar, blackwealthcalendar.com. If you want to get a calendar, we put it, we're putting out the 2021 Black Wealth Calendars. Uh, they're ready if you want to go take a look. So feel free to go there as well. OK, guys, so I know I give you a lot of URLs. Somebody said, why you got so many URLs? You put I know, I know. Just, I'm just, just call me the scatterbrain professor. That's what I am. Uh, my goal is just to be as hopeful as I can be, and uh, and when I have a thought um, that I think is uh, beneficial, I try to share it. And uh, and I'm telling you guys, you know, the, the, you know, we we think about when you think about what, like what a surgeon makes per year, like say half a million dollars a year. I used to think of it like, okay, you go to school, you work really hard, you stay in school till you're almost 30 years old or, or maybe older. If you're really trying to be a surgeon, you got to do all the medical school. Then you have to do a bunch of years in your residency. So you're really talking about maybe 10 years of school after you finish college. And I said, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. 
Because I, I, I told I told my son, I said, you know, I made more money than a surgeon just writing my call options and I don't even have to work for that money. And I said, there's people out here that do this and they have a they have much bigger asset bases because they didn't have to start from scratch like we did. They actually have generational wealth. So the, so think about it like this. Right. You do the five dollar a day investing plan that we show you, uh, which is actually on the all black agenda dot com. Uh, you do the five dollar a day investing plan. Right. So by the time you're done, you've built up four five, six hundred thousand, maybe a million dollars in wealth for your kids and grandkids, literally with five dollars a day of investing in the stock market. Well, then your child is working with an asset base. That's when they're able to actually make major moves. And these are moves that they'll be making in the year 2070, 2080, 2090 after you're gone. Right. After you're gone. But with that asset base, they never have to work a day in their life. They'll never have to go get a job ever. Like applying for jobs will seem Blase. That'll that'll seem like what you do if you're in an emergency situation. But there are families like that where, the, the you know, uh, the parents leave them. Maybe they leave them an apartment building or they leave them, you know, a bunch of stock or whatever. And the kids don't ever have to work. OK, so um, I just want to show you a way where you can just say in our family, we don't make our children work anymore. We, we give them assets to manage. They, they work by managing their assets which pretty much is a matter of opening their phone and hitting a couple buttons on an app. And then next thing you know, they're putting $15,000 in their bank account that'll pay all their bills for the month. I've seen that happen. I've seen it happen with people who, who grew up poor. But what the number one requirement is, is that you must let go of all of your bad training. You must let go of the brainwashing. You must let go of everything that they've taught you to this point, because everything they taught you to this point is to teach you how to be in the lower rung of the ladder. They taught you pretty much how to be a slave to capitalism. Capitalism is a beastly, ugly, nasty system if you don't manage it properly. So when capitalism, you know, uh, gets its grips on you and, and convinces you that you want to be on the lower rung where you're just a person, you know, going from job to job, saving no money, spending all your money, not looking to invest in anything with no financial literacy, where you spend more time watching Jeezy and and, and Gucci Mane in a versus battle than you spend actually preparing for the future. Well, then you're, you have a role in the process. Your role is to make other people rich. Your role is to make the investors rich. That's what the role you've selected. And that's how capitalism's built. It's built in a way, this goes back to ancient you know, ancient Europe, uh, you know, this capitalism, they just, they just a thousand years ago. Well, they have societies where 90% of the people were peasants working on the farms, busting their butts so that the, the nobility, that top five to 10% were living good. So what I want you to do is position yourself where, where you can get a piece of what that top five to 10% are getting. You can do this, right? You're, you're 13% of the population. Most black people are not going to do this. Right. So it might be the top 20 percent of you. So the top 20 percent of the top 13 percent is about two point six percent. So there is there is room for you in the top 10 percent of America. There's room for you in the top five to 10 percent. And the thing is, the beautiful thing about it is that the barriers are, are somewhat minimal if you're actually clear and determined on what you want to do. The barriers are somewhat minimal uh, and, and, and they're minimal in the sense that that nobody's going to stop you from learning how to invest. Nobody's going to stop you from teaching your kids how to own assets. Nobody's going to stop you from from, you know, going and learning how to how to write, call and put options so you can generate income from your portfolio. Nobody's going to stop you from starting that family business. Nobody's going to stop you. You've got now you got some obstacles. You got a lack of access to capital for sure. But remember, uh, you know, you're born rich. A lot. Every black child in America is born rich. You may you may think I'm crazy when I say it, but all of you are born rich. What do I mean by that? Uh, well, you're born rich. You just don't have any money yet. That's it. You're born rich, but you don't have any money. But you're already rich because, number one, you know, you are exceptional people. 
You are uh, the only group of people in the history of this world that can say, my ancestors survived the slave dungeons. My ancestors survived the Middle Passage. My ancestors survived 100 years of Jim Crow. My ancestors survived mass incarceration. Look at us. We're still shining. We're still on top of the world. That's the first thing. So that right there, you're just rich. Your DNA, your melanin makes you rich in one way. But then here's another more specific way that you're rich. You have access to a million dollars or more worth of what is called human capital. Human capital is something that white people see in you. Uh, Dr. Claude Anderson mentions in Poweronomics, he says two kids were talking and one kid said to the, the white kid said to the black kid, he said, if I could buy you for what you think you're worth and sell you for what I know you're worth, I can make a fortune. Did you get that? Are you hearing that? Give me a yes or no on the chat. Let me know you follow that. He said, if I could buy you for what you think you're worth, and then sell you for what I think you're worth. Oh, I can make a fortune. Well, what does that mean? Well, that pretty much means that um, that you are born. You are a valuable commodity. That's why they want. That's why they want to train you to go get jobs. That's why they built HBCUs to teach black people to get skills so they can go work for white people. That's why no disrespect to HBCUs. I know some of you are HBCU grads. I got a lot of HBCU grads that follow me and I love all of y'all. But I'm just telling you the truth. Look at the history. Howard University was not named after a black man. Howard University was named after a white man. I believe Spellman was named after a white woman, right? So, so, so the point is not to, to say, oh, you're you're a bad person. I'm I'm trying to say that this system was designed with a very sinister motive to some extent. It was designed to prepare you to be a better contributor to the capitalist system that was going to make other people rich. That's what is that's why at a lot of these universities, they don't teach you much about true black empowerment. Uh, Poweronomics concepts. I could open this book right now to a random page and probably read something to you that would blow your mind. And you would probably say, my God, they never taught me this in school. Uh, books like Black Labor, White Wealth. Uh, they're, they're, what is, Dr. Claude Anderson, every time I talk to him, he tells me something that that stuns the heck out of me in terms of what they did to us that nobody knows about. So let me see. I'm going to open up a random page and see what it says here. Okay. So, so he says... Um, let me just grab a random page. Okay. Keeping blacks in a minority status. White society has always placed a great deal of importance in maintaining power and control through numerical dominance. Since the public policy stressed keeping blacks in a controlled subordinate state, the national immigration laws, beginning with the first one in 1790, were used as control tools. Immigration policies and laws kept the black population below the white comfort level, usually less than 8%. During the 20 years preceding the Revolutionary War, the, the colonial settlers were extremely fearful of the uncontrolled number of black slaves being shipped into the country. By 1750, the percentage of total national population that was black had reached nearly a third. So they got very nervous because there were more and more black people in the country and they need to use immigration policy to control that number. Uh, that's why he argues, he tells you something the opposite of what you hear from your politicians, where they tell you to vote in favor of more immigration, when actually he says you should be voting against that. Uh, he says black slave revolts were on the increase and British military officers encouraged slaves to rise up against the slave owners. Ironically, none did, though they, they had good opportunities during the Revolutionary War. In 1790, white society's fear of reprisals from blacks prompted the first Congress 
to enact a law that mandated taking a population census and publishing the results every 10 years. Census data monitored social, economic, and political changes according to race and provided the government with a database for designing public policies. And then he, he lays out a table that outlines the legal means that were used by whites during the past 200 years to skillfully manipulate social circumstances to maintain the population status quo between them, them and blacks. So he, he goes down the list, and this is in um, Black Labor, White Wealth on page 168, where he talks about all the laws that were passed just to control the black population, just to manage you. Right. So what I'm saying is that there are people that have a vested interest in managing you, in controlling you and making sure that you flow in the right direction. Like like the way you might manage sheep or cows or pigs. You want all the pigs to go right into the slaughterhouse. You don't want pigs running all over, running all over the place. Right. So uh, you have managers, you have um, media and you have politicians that manage you. You have black leadership, uh, you know, black folks on TV whose job it is to manage you. Uh, because they can speak your language, you, you relate to them a little bit better. Maybe they know how to rap or they know how to twerk. And you you think that that makes that person your friend. Right. But uh, at the end of the day, what I'm really trying to say to you is that you have to manage yourself. If you if you can't take ownership of yourself, then other people will definitely own you. OK, so uh, my point in, in all this is to say that you've got to jump outside the grid. Um, you, you, when you're really thinking about, I mean, when you ask yourself, okay, I'm going, you know, I'm sending my child to college or whatever, you got to say, well, why are you doing that? Well, a lot of you probably went to college or send your kids to college for the same reasons I went to college. I went to college because I didn't have any money and I wanted to have money to take care of my daughter. Well, if I could do it over again, I probably wouldn't have gone to college. It doesn't mean that I think it's bad. Um, it doesn't mean I wouldn't have learned and read a lot of books. Um, I would have consumed a lot of knowledge. But I would have spent that time um, in uh, doing a couple of things. One, I would have spent that time in an intense program learning how to be an entrepreneur, how to create a startup business, things like that. Uh, also, I would have learned real estate and I would have learned how to invest in the stock market. And also going back to that other point when I said every black child is born rich. Well, you know, the, the fact is that the reason they rush to hire you and they want you to go to college so you can, you know, so you can go and work for them, or whatever, is because they can use you. You become a usable commodity. So if you go to college and you go to a big white university where you're going to go deep in debt, so they're going to zap your family wealth right there, right? Number two, when you get done with school, you're going to go work for uh, a company. Chances are the company is going to be owned by a white person. So you will be contributing to the wealth of that top 10%, right? Because you've never been taught how to think like the top 10%. But then uh, also um, throughout your life, you're going to be working for somebody. And, and then also on top of that, you may be paying rent. Right. You, you maybe if you never taught to be a homeowner, well, they're going to use you to get the rent money. And then if you're really unfortunate, then you may end up in the prison system where they make a lot of money on the number of black bodies that are in the prison system. So in order for you to not be a commodity, you've got to elevate your thinking. You've got to go to a higher dimension, to a higher level. You've got to be able to see the forest and not just be a tree. Right. That means you've got to be able to look above that and say, I don't want anybody to own my human capital. I'm going to take ownership of that. So what does that look like? Well, that might mean if I am, uh, if I have some young black children that are very talented, I'm going to say, you know, if you got to go work for other people to get the skill you can, or to get the capital you can, right? Income gives you an opportunity to build capital. Every time you make a dollar, that's a chance for you to either waste that dollar or turn that dollar into something more solid, something long-term. I get $10,000. I could take the 10 grand and blow it on something silly, or I could take the 10 grand and put it into my business or put the 10 grand toward my down payment on a house or put the 10 grand toward stock ownership, which will allow me to maintain that asset 
right? I, I put my money into things that are going to go up in value. I don't just throw my money down the toilet and just wait for my next paycheck. Well, why is that? Well, because when you're making this income, which gives you your opportunity to have capital, that's very important. That means you're, you're kind of engaged in that first step that gets you away from being poor. The word poor stands for passing over opportunities repeatedly, passing over opportunities repeatedly. So people who live paycheck to paycheck often stay poor because every time they have income, that's an opportunity to turn that income into capital. <clears throat> every time you go to McDonald's or Popeye's chicken and you spend $10, $20, well, that was an opportunity you could have used to put that $10, $20 into a share of stock or put it towards your down payment or your house or whatever, right? So you're passing over opportunities repeatedly, which means that at some point you're going to end up P-O-O-R, passing over opportunities repeatedly or poor, right? So don't be poor. You, excuse me. You want to think like a rich person. You want to think like a wealth builder. You want to think like a person with a capital base. So take that, take those assets, take that income. Remember, you're born rich because you have human capital. <clears throat> That's why they bought and sold slaves because slaves were valuable. <clears throat> so the, the, the problem is that you're valuable for other people. You should be valuable for yourself. If you're going to be a slave, be a slave to yourself, be a slave for your future, be a slave to your family, be a slave to your freedom, be a slave to your empire, right? What is your empire? What everybody's aligned with an empire, everybody's aligned with somebody's institution. What is your empire? What is your institution? And do you own a piece of that institution? That simple. It's that simple. Okay. So uh, the, the difference between wealthy people and, and poor people a lot of times is that wealthy people work hard too, in many cases, until they don't have to work anymore. And the institution they're working hard for is an institution that they actually own. Like I work hard. Um, I work hard on this job because I own the, I own a piece of the business or I work hard for this company because I own shares of stock in this company or I spend money on this thing because that money's coming back to me in part. Right. Uh, I don't spend money paying the landlord's rent I, I or his mortgage. I'm going to pay. I, I work hard and I spend my money to pay my mortgage. Right. When I was building out my basement. I was spending money like crazy, but I was spending money that was going to go right back into the pockets of my family because I knew that the more I put into the basement, the higher the home value would be. Do you, do, you, do you follow me? Do you get what I'm saying? Right. So money should be a boomerang, not a Frisbee, a boomerang, not a Frisbee. That means you put your money into things that are going to give you more money back. That is one of the keys to building wealth. That's that's and that's one of the ways that you can actually do what I'm saying in this video, which is how you can actually make more money than a surgeon, even without a college degree. College degrees are nice, but they're not a replacement for the ownership of assets. College degrees are nice, but uh, but you should be saddened by the fact that we owned 100 times or 15 times more land 100 years ago than we own today. Right? College degrees are nice, but we should also mourn all the lost businesses that we lost during integration when we were chasing these degrees. Right? College degrees are nice, but you must also accept the fact that that does integrate you into a system that keeps you at the bottom as opposed to developing your own system where you can put yourself at the top. Okay. So just know that this is not new. This is how capitalism has been running for over a thousand years. You go back a thousand years ago, and this is what white people did to other white people. This isn't even just completely racial. This is what the, this is what the people at the top do to the people at the bottom. And so basically a thousand years ago, you had 90% of the, of the community working to enrich the top 10%. So uh, it's okay 
if you enrich other people along the way, I think that's fine. But make sure you enrich yourself. If you do that, then you separate from the pack. You get you're in a better position than everybody else. That's just what it is. Okay, guys, I'm gonna get out of here. I hope that this was helpful to you. Uh, if you could, please hit that thumbs up button and uh, also hit the notification bell so you can be notified when we go live. If you want to take a look, if you go to allblackeducation.com, somebody was asking me today if we have any sort of comprehensive programs for the in the Black Business School with some lifetime membership where you and your family can join forever. Well, allblackeducation.com is where you can find that. So feel free to go to allblackeducation.com. And uh, someone was asking also about uh, our real estate programs. And we have a great program with Julian Gordon. He's our real estate dean. It's the blackreigroup.com. REI stands for Real Estate Investment Group. So you can go to the blackreigroup.com. And uh, he's got a great program there where he actually, uh, they're actually doing some amazing things. They're buying up a big chunk of Baton Rouge and with the students and things like that. So feel free to check out either one of those URLs if you want to go take, take a look at the Black Business School. I hope that this helps you. Um, I hope that we're convincing you that we are better than whatever you taught, were taught in college. We are different. We are focused solely on you. We are focused on black wealth. We are focused on black first. Uh, there is nobody else other than the black community as far as I'm concerned. That's 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 the alpha and the omega of all the things that we should be concerned with. I don't care about saving the Democratic Party. I don't care about make, you know, about what other people are doing. I don't care about you know, how we integrate with the rest of the world. I really want us to integrate with ourselves and to turn inward in this generation so we can build ourselves into what we deserve to be. Okay, guys? So uh, I'm out of here. Hit the thumbs up button on your way out. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a good night and thank you for listening. Uh, I'll talk to you later. Peace.